<laughs> You're listening to Talk Crooked, the social justice and comedy podcast where two friends laugh, cry, and rage about an unspeakable subject. While enjoying adult beverages. My name is Kay. I'm Carrie. And I have a fucking margarita this time. <coughs> what? What? I have a fucking glass of water this time. <laughs> hey, look out. <laughs> Just finished my coffee before we got on here. The so. adultier adult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I have not been able to have alcohol for like two weeks. So it's... Why again? I, I forget. Oh, because you were on antibiotics. Duh. Yeah. Sorry. Pregnancy brain is real. Oh, no. It's I- okay. I was on antibiotics <laughs> and wanted to die every day. I just yeah, wanted has to kill myself. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Because your tooth got fixed. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! It's all fun and games. This will until- be a much better episode than <laughs> yeah. last week when I was talking and you were just like, uh-huh. <laughs> I yeah. was in so much pain. I'm okay. so sorry. I don't even I remember. <laughs> I don't even I remember how that episode went. I, I was just-, just like, oh, this is going to go quick. <laughs> We're not even going to talk about it. Okay. Uh, y'all, the dentist, Sorry. <laughs> the dentist was um, fixing my tooth. And like the second that he poked it, it started draining. <laughs> and for Ugh. the dentist to go, oh, shit. <laughs> you probably don't want to hear that when you're having a root canal done. But. <laughs> oh, my God. So if that tells Ugh. you anything about how much pain i was in oh honey how did they miss it i don't know he he was even that bad yeah i don't understand well he was even like what the fuck because it looks beautiful (laughs) Uh, like it's not it doesn't look like it's decaying it like it really wasn't um it wasn't really swelling um and it was the Hmm. back cavity or the back canal that was um, infected. Weird. Because there are three canals in your molar. So it was the back one. And it was also sitting right on my nerve that goes from the front of my mouth to oh. my ear. So oh. that's why I thought it was TMJ. And <laughs> Yeah. And so. So it was just like buzzing yeah. there. Mm-hmm. It was just sitting right there. It was like we'll just oh. stay here, <laughs> and That's so so terrible. Yeah, so even though like I got it drained on Friday, it really hasn't felt okay until today because I still had the infection because it was a really bad right. infection, and um, yeah, because nobody caught it yeah. for so long. Yeah. Oh my God, he, honey. Yeah, he even was like, "I'm so sorry you had to deal with this for so long," and it was it, it was draining the whole time. I was still draining I the next burst day. I into tears. Yeah. Oh my god. It was. It, I'm just laying there, and my normal Ugh. dentist didn't get to do it because they like overbooked him, but they still wanted to get me in. And mm-hmm. so my normal because they needed to get you in before yeah. August third. <laughs> still cannot believe I would. I probably would have died had I not gotten on the yeah. antibiotics. Um. But it would have it would definitely have spread and you would have ended up ended up back in the useless ER. Yeah. But like my normal dentist came in and he's like, hey, sweetheart, how are you doing? 
And I'm just laying there with them digging in my tooth while I'm still awake. Right. <laughs> I'm just like, mm, oh, no, this is exactly where I want to be. Exactly where I want to <laughs> be on a Friday afternoon. Uh-huh. This is... I've been looking forward to this. Yeah. Actually, I was. <laughs> I was... Well, I know you were. <laughs> you were in so much pain. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was ready to just end it. I, like, I was oh. so done. <laughs> I was, give me the pliers. I'm done. Yeah. Just give me the pliers or give me a knife. Like, one of the two. I'm cutting it out. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> oh. But Ugh. I get to that keep been it. Terrible. Yeah, I get to keep it. They they still have no idea how it happened. Uh, there's just no... Of course not. No logical explanation. Of course they don't, Kay. <laughs> it's your tooth. <laughs> Why yeah. are we... We have no logical explanation as to why your guinea pig suddenly has mites either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's another fun thing. They just manifested from nowhere. So... Uh, <laughs> yeah, my guinea pig Who had... Who piss off? Yeah. I don't know. Like, what but is like... going on? <laughs> I, I told my mother last week that I was going to kill myself just to go talk to God. <laughs> be like what is this you can send me back in a minute but i need to talk to you because like <laughs> something that, happened what, like that lazarus experiment thing or yeah whatever. yeah what's the flatliners mm-hmm. something whatever the fuck those yeah. people that like stop their hearts and then come back yeah oh lord 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 I don't know who I pissed off, but I'm going to need them to leave me alone. Like, Seriously. I think I've paid enough. Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, all right. Well, um, shall we, shall we get started? Yeah, I think we should. I, okay. I don't think they want to hear about my infected tooth anymore. <laughs> no, I don't I don't want to hear about your infected tooth anymore either. <laughs> it's making all my teeth hurt. Oh. Okay. So blah, blah, blah. Um okay, so this week <laughs> um this week is part 1 in a series that we're going to start. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> So it's kind of a long title, so we're not going to do our usual <laughs> creepy voice. I don't think we should do our usual creepy voice because it's not, it, I don't know that that can ever match up. So, um, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, so what we're going to do is Carrie's going to say the first part and I'll say the second part. Just because right, that's how cool. it tends so, to work. <laughs> right. So this week um, is part one in listening and supporting. And today we are talking about mothers and daughters specifically. Just because this Woo! is, yeah, this is the one that we have more experience with. Um, yes. And it's a little closer to home and uh, family is weird. So. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's very weird. Um, <clears throat> so, of course, I, I just want to go ahead and start off by saying that most people, most of the time none of this is done on purpose yeah just so that we're clear um (laughs) i love my mother very very much Kay loves her mother very very much we mom and i are now in a very very good place but growing up there were 
there were some things I can't I can't speak for you here, but there were um, between me, my mom and I had a very strained relationship when I when while I was growing up. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is to do with um, the fact that she did not go to therapy for uh, for a miscarriage that she had between me and my brother, and she really really let it get to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. It just, it really fucked her up. And (laughs) there was, um, there's a lot of OCD tendencies and things like that in my family. And I definitely am not a cookie cutter daughter. I am not the, um, Southern little princess that she thought I would be. (laughs) And, um, I'm, I'm not a trend follower. I'm not a, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not what she thought I would be. So, um, it was very difficult it it was very very difficult growing up yeah. um between us and it, what i when i get into some of these patterns that i'm going to talk about here in a second um i'll of course i'll expand a little bit but i just want everyone to know that i love my mother very very much and i am not at all using this as an excuse to talk shit about my mother yeah um we're in a really good place now that we don't live together and <laughs> you know now that we have some distance and now that we're both adults and she knows and she actually treats me as an adult. So that was something we ran into when I was in college. Yeah. Was her still treating me like an actual child and still taking me to a pediatrician. Oh. Um, yeah. Isn't that fun? Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well. Um, Anything you want to add? Yeah. Before uh, I get started? Yeah. I'll be candid real quick. Um. I am my mother's first and only child. Um, When my mom had me, she was very young. Uh, She had no support. Um, She was the only person that wanted me. And she had a very strained relationship with her mother. And uh, had issues with my father, of course. You all know that. And so she had a lot of untreated depression. Um. She was working all the time. My mom did, too. Yeah. She was working all the time and just didn't... uh, It took her a very long time to get stable. And during that time, I was spending a lot of time with her mother, who she already had a strained relationship with, who... um, There was a lot of gaslighting that happened there, so it took a very long time for my mother and I to be able to have the relationship that we have now... Um, and it's, I mean, it still, sometimes it can be a little strained. Um, and like, I, I do love my mother. I can talk to her more now than I could when I was younger than I thought that I could, of course. Um, right. And I mean, she has supported me in a lot of ways that she hasn't had to, uh, and I'm very appreciative of it. Um, but it just, it was kind of difficult growing up but there were a lot of obstacles to that that weren't really in either of our control um yeah but I mean she's a very good mother she did the best she could with what she had and I I mean I've learned a lot growing up I'm certainly not an idiot and I can fend for myself um but you kind of had to grow up quicker yeah I I mean I was like, I was having to take care of myself when I was very young, because just being honest, she had depression, and her depression comes in the form of sleeping a lot. 
So there were a lot of yeah. times where I couldn't wake her up and I was having to like learn how to use the microwave and figure out how to eat for myself. Feed yourself. And, and yeah. Um, yeah, my mom had a lot of, had, definitely has anxiety and depression that is untreated to this day. Um, it helps oh that God, sometimes I just want to come up behind her with a trank dart, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, breathe. <laughs> it does help that my mom has um, gotten treatment for hers recently. That's good. Um, That's good. Yeah. Like within the past five six years mom my mom is now going through menopause so that's all turned up <laughs> of course. <laughs> a little bit <laughs> but yeah so all right so let's jump in yeah so um this is an article from psychology today that i found um by peg streep so this is um this one's called eight toxic patterns in mother-daughter relationships so I found this interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the wording is, is interest is it it puts a lot of blame. It, I don't know. Sometimes sometimes it feels like she's saying that the mom did this on purpose, and I have I just can't see. I can see all of this happening, but I can't see anyone really doing it just to be mean to their daughter. Like that's yeah. I don't think that that's the reasoning behind it i think it goes a lot deeper than that certainly however some. that doesn't mean that the patterns yeah yeah like I, I that doesn't mean that the patterns aren't valid still yeah. but um but certainly some, some are, are done. abusive like yeah, uh, yeah. but certainly not all there are people who are abusive but not all yes yeah and it's not something if you are a mom as i'm about to be i think it's good to be familiar with this kind of stuff so that you can recognize patterns of that in yourself and kind of recognize it and 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 redirect your behavior Mm -hmm. um as taxing as it can be to have a child of course um it's important to listen to each other and it's important to be supportive while still giving advice and still giving guidance which is a difficult pattern yeah but um i think the main underlying thing is that it's important to that it's important that we all feel heard so that we can come together and discuss things as opposed to hurling insults and hurting each other mm-hmm. or ignoring each other. That's not great either. So, <laughs> um, but okay. also, I, I just want to say, don't feel bad if you get to a point where you need to, and just in need to what need to ignore your mother <laughs> for a while. Oh um, no! Yeah. Oh no! It, I was talking about mothers ignoring their children. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I've just I've no, you're okay. I've seen some pretty horrendous shit. It just oh yeah my, oh yeah. My There's mom times and my when so yeah. There there are times when when distance when distance definitely does happen. Um, as in any relationship, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're gonna talk about strictly mom daughter when you're growing up. Yeah, stuff right now. Um, okay, so. <clears throat> Um, I'm trying to decide if I even want to read this introduction or not. Because, mm-hmm. well, yeah, we'll go ahead and do it. Uh, no, we won't. 
Because I don't want to. Okay. <laughs> I so, don't want to. Um, <clears throat> it's our pa- podcast. No, we don't have to. It's just, I just, I don't care for her writing style. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> just personally. Okay. So, the first pattern is dismissive. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, she's got these little patterns and then she's got people that she interviewed that had mothers like this. So, the dismissive, dismissive. So, quote, my mother ignored me, Gwen, 47, confides. If I did something that I thought would make her proud, she would either dismiss it as insignificant or undercut it in some other way. And I believed her for the longest time, unquote. Daughters raised by dismissive mothers doubt the validity of their own emotional needs. They feel unworthy of attention and experience deep, gut-wrenching senses of... um, Oh, sorry. Hiccups. Uh, Gut-wrenching self-doubt, all while feeling intense longing for love and validation. Um, here's how one, do- this just, this reminds me of Gru's mom, mm-hmm. uh, from Despicable Me, yeah. where he's like, look, mom, I built a rocket out of macaroni, and she's like, eh, <laughs> look, mom, I built a real rocket based on the macaroni prototype, eh, like, <laughs> uh, poor little Gru, and then he became a supervillain, so, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> So, uh, did it, did it, so here's how one daughter described it. Quote, my mother literally didn't listen to me or hear me. She'd ask if I were, she'd ask if I was hungry. And if I said I wasn't, she'd put food in front of me as if I'd said nothing. She would ask what I wanted to do over the weekend or summer, ignore my answer and then make plans for, for me. What clothes did I want? Same thing. But that wasn't the central part. She never asked me how I was feeling or what I was thinking. She made it clear that I was largely irrelevant to her. Dismissive behavior, as reported by daughters, occurs across a spectrum. It can become combative if the mother actively and aggressively turns dismissal into rejection. Human offspring are hardwired to need and seek proximity to their mothers, and therein lies the problem. The daughter's need for their mother's attention and love isn't diminished by the mother's dismissal. In fact, from my own personal experience, I know that, I, that it can amp up the need, thrusting the daughter into an active pattern of demand. Quote, why don't, for example, why don't you care about me or love me, mom? Why do you ignore me? Um, or a plan to, quote unquote, fix the situation. I'll get all A's in school or win a prize and then she'll love me for sure. Um, the response, alas, is inevitably the mother's further withdrawal often accompanied by complete denial about what took place. So they don't need, see, so this mm-hmm. is someone who doesn't think they're even doing anything wrong. Yeah. But it's important to encourage your children. <laughs> For sure. Please oh, just do goodness. that. If you're yeah, going to be a parent, just see them. Listen to what they're saying. Like the underlying thing is that we need to listen to each other. Mm hmm. Um, I will say that my mom was not like that. (laughs) Um, okay. Number two. Here we go. Um, controlling. In many ways, this is another form of the dismissive interaction, although it presents very differently. The key link is that the controlling mother doesn't acknowledge her daughter any more than the dismissive one does. Mm -hmm. These mothers micromanage their daughters, actively refuse to acknowledge the validity of their words or choices, and instill a sense of insecurity and helplessness in their offspring. Most of this behavior is done under the guise of being for the child's own good. 
The message is, effectively, that the daughter is inadequate, cannot be trusted to exercise good judgment, and would simply flounder and fail without her mother's guidance. So not totally there, but it was definitely... Uh, I, mine was more of a, you're going to be what, what I want you to be. This is what you're going to be involved in. This is what you're going to wear. You're going to get straight A's. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, all right, so number three is unavailable. Emotionally unavailable mothers. Those who actively withdraw at a daughter's approach or who withhold love from one child while granting it to another inflict a different kind of damage. Be mindful that all children are hardwired to rely on their mothers thanks on their mothers thanks to evolution. Quote, my mother wasn't mean, one daughter writes, but she was emotionally disconnected from me and still is. These behaviors can include lack of physical contact, meaning no hugging or no comforting, uh, unresponsiveness to a child's cries or displays of emotion, and her articulated needs as she gets older, and of course, literal abandonment. Literal abandonment leaves its own special scars, especially in a culture which believes in the automatic nature of mother love and instinctual behavior. In addition to being excruciatingly painful, it is also bewildering. That was true for Eileen, 39, who, was, who has sorted through many of these issues and, as a mother herself, now has limited contact with her mother. See, this is where she... This was an example of where this led to estrangement. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Eileen's parents divorced when she was four and she lived with her mother until she was six, when her mother decided that her father was the quote-unquote appropriate parent after all. It was devastating for the six-year-old, particularly since her father remarried and had already had and had already had a first child in his new marriage. There would be two more, but the big question for Eileen was this: quote, "I could never understand why my mom didn't want to be around. I felt like a huge part was missing in my life that only my mom could fill it." Mm-hmm. Unquote. Isn't that so sad? Yep. Um. All of these behaviors leave daughters emotionally hungry and sometimes desperately needy. The luckiest daughters will find another family member, a father, a grandparent, an aunt, or an uncle to step into the emotional breach, which helps but doesn't heal. And many don't. These insecurely attached daughters often become clingy in adult relationships, needing constant reassurance from friends and lovers alike. Do you have any comment there, Kay? Nah. <laughs> Are you sure? Yep. <laughs> Just gonna listen. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, we're not doing that this time. You have energy now. You don't get to just sit there and say, okay. <laughs> no, no, it's just... Uh, okay, so, like, I wasn't abandoned by my mother but i was abandoned by my father and those are tendencies that are very much in me so i get it Mm -hmm. um yeah that's about all i want to say on that matter (laughs) (laughs) and that's all i have to say about that (laughs) basically Uh (coughs) uh-huh all right number four 
this is different. So this one's called. This one is enmeshed. What's that? So while the first two, ty- so while the first two types of behaviors describe mothers who distance themselves from their children, enmeshment is the opposite. These mothers do not acknowledge any kind of boundary between them, their definition of self, and their children. In this case, the daughter's need for love or attention facilitates a maternal chokehold, exploiting human nature in the service of another goal. These women are classic, quote-unquote, stage mothers, and live through their children's achievements. Woo! (laughs) Which they both demand... I did not have this. Mm -hmm. Thank God. (laughs) Um... Which which they both demand and encourage. While they have a long history, the mothers of Gypsy Rose Lee, Judy Garland, and Frances Farmer could immediate, come immediately to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, they now have a special have a special renown and no shame thanks to reality television, like toddlers and uh, tiaras. Yes, fuck that show. Yeah, or Honey Boo Boo, whatever the fuck. Yeah, those poor know. kids. Ugh. Child pageants are gross. I'm sorry. I'm going to be judgy. Child pageants are gross. Yeah. <laughs> if you put your child in, pa- in pageants, stop that. What's wrong with you? <laughs> stop that. <laughs> Let them oh. play. Ugh. Quit it. Let them be kids. All right. <laughs> Vivian Gornick's memoir. Your ch- your five-year-old should not look 30. All right. Um, <laughs> like poor John Vivian Gornick's memoir. Oh, my God. That's what I was just thinking about. All right, so Vivian Gornick's memoir, Fierce Attachments, should be required reading for any daughter who grew up with a mother like this. I don't know what that what that book is about. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't explain it either. So <laughs> while the daughter of a dismissive or unavailable mother, quote-unquote, disappears because of, because of inattention and underparenting, the enmeshed daughter's sense of self is swallowed whole. Untangling enmeshment, the term alone conveys the difficulty, is another road entirely because the absence because of the absence of boundaries. Mm-hmm. So here's where we're that I we did have an absence of boundaries. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> a healthy mm-hmm. and attuned maternal relationship offers security and freedom to roam at once. The infant is released from her mother's arms to crawl, the adolescent counseled but listened to and respected, and this pattern does not that's all missing in the enmeshed relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because that's all about that whole like living vicariously through your kid yeah. type of thing. That's super destructive because then your kid has no sense of self. You get to the other end and it's like, wait, I don't even like swimming. Why am I doing this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even, I don't, I hate getting up at 4 a.m. to jog. I want to be in plays. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that was my sweet little sex education reference. Yep. Um, the I was show, just not thinking the actual about that. curriculum. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. So number five, which was really sweet. That that in season two, that was a great plot line because then he actually finally had a blow up and sat down and talked to his mom about why that was, and it was because that it it was from her insecurity that she wasn't his birth mother the other the other mom had him mm-hmm. and she was afraid they wouldn't be able to connect and they had swimming in common and that's what she jumped on and ran with it totally makes sense yeah but they just had to talk about it and he needed to express to her no of course you're my mom i love you like <laughs> there's no question there <laughs> i might not like you very much right now but i do love I, you <laughs> yeah i'm 
I'm mad at you right now because you're being a jerk, but come on. <laughs> and I wish you were nicer to my other mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. It was a really sweet scene. I, I cried. <laughs> I won't lie. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> cried. Okay. Here we go. Oh, here's mine. Number five. Combative. Ah. Open warfare characterizes this kind of interaction. Woot woot! <laughs> the battle lines have been were drawn in my house. My dad and my brother used to go and hide in the basement. Oh my god. For real. <laughs> yeah, for real. I can see that. Oh y'all. Woo! We were an unstoppable force and an immovable object. <laughs> my mom and I never there really were... My mom and I never really screamed at each other or had anything like that happen more than like once or twice, but we <laughs> we would get loud with other people in our family together and it was it was impressive. Like <laughs> Woo. Woo, man, here we go. Okay. So, <laughs> Open warfare characterizes this kind of interaction, though I have put open in quotation marks for a reason. These mothers never acknowledge their behaviors, and they are usually quite careful about displaying them in public. Mm-hmm. Include, included in this group are the mothers who actively degenerate... De what? Denigrate? I don't know that word. Hang on. I'm trying to think about what it could be. Degrade? I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. Ugh, why is Yahoo my search engine? Who uses Yahoo? Oh, denigrate means criticize unfairly or disparage. Okay. That makes sense. So, mm, included in this group are mothers who actively critici uh, criticize and disparage their daughters. Um, they're hypocritical intensely jealous of or competitive with their offspring yes this is mean mother territory yeah the mother takes advantage of the power play i know the words power play and mother seem incongruous combined in a single sentence but i leave you in the capable hands of deborah deborah tannon with a quotation i often use because i simply can't phrase it any better or with her authority <laughs> quote this, in the end, may be the crux of a parent's power over a child, not only to create the world the child lives in, but also to dictate how that world is to be interpreted. Unquote. It's a lot to unpack in there. Yeah. Um, a child is no match for this warrior queen and, more dangerously, will internalize the messages communicated by her. Many daughters report that the pain of feeling responsible somehow... The or as in the belief that they made their mothers react or that they are unworthy is a is as crippling as the lack of maternal love. Blame and shame were usually this mother's weapons of choice. The combated mother uses verbal and emotional abuse to quote unquote win, but can resort to physical force as well. She rationalizes her behaviors as being necessary because of defects in her daughter's character or behavior, and this is dangerous territory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this happened. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I always felt unworthy. Yes, I always felt like I had made this reaction. I always felt like I needed to be the one to go apologize. I couldn't tell you in the least bit what we fought about. 
<laughs> not in the slightest to this day. Not a clue. Um, but I think it, I think it definitely had to do with her wanting me to hang out with her all the time or to, I don't know. <laughs> I, d- I could not even tell you again, could not tell you, um, I just know that I was feeling a lot of things and feeling insecure and I didn't feel like I could talk to her about them because she would sit and grade papers and I felt like she wasn't listening or Mm -hmm. she wouldn't validate what I was feeling or, you know what I mean? They're just, I just don't think she knew how I, I, I've never been one to sugarcoat things. And so I, I didn't, I, like I said, my mom blushes at this at the sound of the word boob. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, and I had real questions about real things, and I never felt like I could really come to her about them. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know. I just, I never felt like I was good enough, I guess, because of all the, criti- the because of the constant stream of criticism, because I have depression, and because simple statements made sound critical. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, I mean, it, and it was a lot of times it was little things. I'm, some of it's coming back because some of these patterns still exist. It's like, you know, you sit down and you get settled because you feel like you're, you're going to take a break for a minute and watch TV. Mm-hmm. And it's, well, you could be setting the table. Hey, you could be helping me with dinner. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Never like, oh, hey, before you get settled, do, do you, would you mind... You know what I mean? It's yeah. So it made me feel like, oh, well, now I'm not, oh, shit, like, I'm terrible because I didn't think ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't read your mind. And do that. Yeah, I didn't know. Or she, God, she also does this thing. Sorry, this does not even fall into any of these categories, I don't think. It's just a an really annoying habit that she has. Mm-hmm. She'll be talking and she'll just walk out of the room, <laughs> like, upstairs. She'll, like, go upstairs and she's still talking to you. And so it made me be like, what? What did you, like, all the time? She, she'll, like, mumble to herself sometimes. And I'll be like, what'd you say? And she'll be like, oh, no, I was just talking to myself. I'm like, sorry. Didn't know if that was going to be critical information for later. I <laughs> <laughs> didn't want to get screamed at for not hanging on your every syllable. <laughs> Goodness. Um, but, yeah, and, again, she had no idea she was doing this. Just so everyone knows. Yeah. She did not do this to me on purpose. And I have forgiven her. <laughs> it's taken a long time. and But now that I can untangle, and it's been really hard to untangle. Mm-hmm. And through therapy, I have done this. And through gr- growing in my marriage with my husband and figuring out the patterns and recognizing the same patterns in myself through, you know, talking to each other. Like, I, I figured out a lot of this. And thankfully, <laughs> I think I've got enough to know how to avoid repeating these patterns. Um, I just, of course, need a good, ha- have a good partner to hold me accountable. And <laughs> um, especially reading this kind of stuff, like you definitely can recognize what the outcome is in yourself if you've experienced any of these. Yeah. And be like, oh, that's why I feel that way. And then now that you know the connection you can I think it kind of reinforces like that hey like let's not do that (laughs) yeah 
in yourself. So, okay. Yeah, there were a lot of things that I grew up, like, just learning. Because a lot of my childhood was being made to sit back and listen to whatever was happening. And just having to take Mm -hmm. that in. Um, Not that my mother did that, but... That was just... No, your grandma did that. Yeah. <laughs> there we'll was... just yeah. throw that out there. Yeah, if... Your mom wasn't the only person raising you. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I'm just... I'm going to go ahead and include my aunt and my grandmother as mothers because they were mm-hmm. in that role a lot of the time. It takes a village, man. Yeah. And they... Um, anytime we got in a fight, it was... I was not allowed to say... Or... I was allowed to say what was frustrating me, but that was wrong. It it was always wrong. It was always my fault. And so when I would finally just quit saying what was going on, I would get in trouble for that too and get told. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And get told that uh, trying to talk to me about hard things was harder than pulling teeth. And I was like, yes, because you won't let me. (laughs) Like, you know. You get me I can't to, win. You're yeah. not listening. You get me to a point where I'm screaming so that I can be heard, and then you don't like that, yeah. and you stop the conversation, and we don't have the conversation. Or slap me across the face. Yeah. So, um... Slap me across the face and call me a bitch. That happened once. Oh, my okay. God. She doesn't remember that, but that absolutely happened. Um... Jesus. All right. Yep. Um... <laughs> Number six, unreliable. This is, in many ways, the hardest behavior for a daughter to cope with because she never knows if the good mommy or the bad mommy will show up. Mm-hmm. I think I have a little bit of this, too. Yeah. This is why people who are inconsistent really, really bother me. Mm-hmm. People with inconsistent personalities really, really upset me. And I avoid them, like the plague. So, <laughs> the, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. The type of people who you don't know if it's going to, if their head's going to spin and they're going to vomit like the exorcist or if they're going to be sugar, sugar and rainbows. Yeah. You just don't know. What's, a, what's acceptable one day is suddenly completely unacceptable and you're the worst person in the world and you're fired. So, all right, whatever. Um <laughs> We won't talk. Um, (laughs) So all children form mental images of what relationships in the real world look like. Oh, excuse me. Based on their connections with their mothers. These daughters understand emotional connection to be fraught, precarious, and even dangerous. Um, So in an interview for my book, Mean Mothers, Jean. Jean? Jean? Jean. Jeannie? G. It's... It's spelled G, uh, not G. I can't spell. It's spelled J E A N A. Oh my God. Y'all, for real with the pregnancy brain. I just said Ann Ann instead of N N. J E A N N E. Jeannie? No? Sure. All right, so that it's a pseudonym, so it doesn't even fucking matter, but still. Um, <laughs> he said, quote, I trace my own lack of self-confidence back to my mother. 
She was emotionally unreliable, horribly critical of me one day, dismissive of me, dismissive the next, and then out of nowhere, smiling and fussing over me. Oh yeah, this happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> For real, this this fully happened. Um, I now realize that the smiley mom thing usually happened in front in front of other people who were her audience. Not necessarily that for me. Um, I think it was when she felt bad. Yeah. You know, if things had been especially bad. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, I never knew what to expect. She could be intolerably present, inexplicably absent, and then playing a part. I assumed I'd done something to make her treat me the way she did. Now I know she did what she felt like without any thought of me. But I still hear her voice in my head, especially when life gets difficult or I feel insecure. Unquote. Yeah, we definitely had a pattern of, like, blow-ups and then, like, being best friends all of a sudden. And she also, like, when things were going badly, she would take me shopping, which is a habit I've not been able to break. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> because getting new things makes you feel good. Yeah. Um, but retail therapy is not... <laughs> healthy behavior <laughs> um no it is not yeah <laughs> no um but i also get it um <laughs> oh man because and it's it's i don't want anyone to think that my childhood was like a fucking nightmare because it wasn't we definitely had good times um we definitely had a lot of fun together it's just Sometimes you get emotional whiplash. <laughs> yeah. Because all of a sudden, now my tone is wrong, even though I'm echoing the tone that you have in your own voice. And now it's, you know, it's just, uh, it, sometimes it feels like you can't win. Uh, my brother is a genius and knows exactly how to shut it down, and he just agrees and walks out of the room. And it's so frustrating because it's frustrating for her because she doesn't get she doesn't get the argument that she wants you know yeah so i'm like man i wish i could just do that i wish i could just turn it off because i feel like i got that gene of like no but what you're saying is not right (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) but you're wrong and he's like in five years is it gonna matter and i'm like i hate you (laughs) (laughs) he's just a zen master it's ridiculous yeah Oh, goodness. I love him, though. Okay, so number seven, self-involved. Call her a narcissist if you wish. This mother sees her daughter, if she sees her at all, as an extension of herself and nothing more. Unlike the enmeshed mother, who is intently and smotheringly focused on her child, this mother carefully controls her involvement as it suits her own self-reflection. This is interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, A power player, she is incapable of empathy. Instead, very concerned with appearances and the opinions of others. Ooh. Hitting a few points in here, too, for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Her emotional connection to her daughter is superficial, although she would fiercely deny that if you asked, because her focus is on herself. The tactics she uses to manipulate and control her daughter permit her to self-aggrandize and feel good about herself. So I think my mom had a touch of this, too. Um, It was definitely, like, my junior and senior year, I started to kind of break away and be like, you know what? I'm going to wear what I want, and I'm going to do what I want. Mm -hmm. Not, like, as in 
I wasn't like doing drugs or like being a bad kid at all. But it was like, you know what? This isn't the kind of stuff that I like to do. I'm going to do the stuff I like to do. I'm going to wear what I like to wear. I'm going to paint my nails the color I want to wear. And she was like, you need to take that black nail polish off before we go see your grandparents. And I looked at her straight in the eyes and I said, why are you embarrassed of me? And then it threw her off guard and she was like, uh, uh, no. And I was like, because it sure sounds like you're embarrassed of me. <laughs> Good for you. She was like, what are they going to, what are they going to think of your black nail polish? And I was like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold, they didn't give a shit. <laughs> um, this kind of reminds me of some people who are like intense Pinterest moms too. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's nothing against being a Pinterest mom. Do all the bento boxes and all the fun, fan, funny lunches and all that shit. Like, you go for it and you go, girl. Yeah. But there are some people, we can all agree, that take it a lo- little bit too far and it's too much of a spectacle. It's too much for a first birthday. It's too much for, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's over the top and it's, let's let's do photo shoots all the time and let's do this and let's make sure that everything looks good all the time. Kind of like that family that we talked about, um, that drove off a cliff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, very self-involved where the mom was, yeah, they were, yes. So they were, they were going to all these events and taking all these family pictures. And then people were talking about how the pictures were super, like people that were watching were talking about how the pictures were superposed. And then like, once the camera was put away, the kids looked dead inside. Like, that's the like super extreme version of that and then i think that this is all of these are like their own spectrum you know of course but um yeah uh these mothers often look great from the outside and are usually they are usually attractive and charming when you meet them take great care of their homes and may have admirable talents and careers which serves to confuse and isolate the unloved the unloved daughter even more um, it is, alas, easier to recognize that you are playing the role. Mm. I'm so sorry okay. uh, that you are playing the role of Cinderella, and it was an evil mom, not a stepmother, until the Grimm brothers cleaned up the tale. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, when you are living in the cellar and everyone knows your mother is a hag. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, okay and then here's the last one okay uh number eight roll reversed i feel like i feel like this one's gonna hit home for you yep this one my dearest (laughs) my dearest um (laughs) anecdotally this is the pattern of maternal interaction i hear about the least the scenario in which the daughter even at a young age becomes the helper the caretaker or even the mother to her own mother Sometimes this pattern emerges when the mother has children very young and more and or more of them than she can actually handle. Yeah. This was true. This was true for you. Like, yeah, this is me. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, I can absolutely attest that this is true for you. Um, <laughs> that was true for Jenna now in her late 30s, who reported, quote, by the time my mother, my mom was 26, she had four kids, little money, and no support. I was the oldest, and by the time I was five, I was her helper. I learned to cook, do laundry, and clean. As I got older, the dynamics stayed the same, only more so. She called me her rock, but she never paid attention to me. Just my younger siblings. 
Now that I'm an adult, she still doesn't mother me, but acts more like a very critical older friend. I think she robbed me of my childhood. Unquote. Yeah. Absolutely she did. I mean... Mm-hmm. I watched, like, one episode of Shameless, and this seems like the oldest daughter's dynamic with her father, too. It is. My mom mm-hmm. um, watches that show a lot. She loves it. Um, I couldn't get into it. I I, I don't want know. to, but it, it is a lot. Um, it's a lot, and it's... Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's funny. Like, a lot of people think that it's funny. Mm-hmm. I was expecting dark humor. I don't... I'm just depressed that this dad neglects his children so horribly. <laughs> like... Yeah. I... Uh, I don't know. But just to kind of give a little anecdotal experience myself there, just... um, Yeah. I mean, my mom... It's definitely a pattern. Um, My grandmother expected that of my aunt that's why she ended up leaving when she was 18 um mm-hmm. my grandmother expected that of my mother um and then you know with mom's untreated depression and everything else that just your was grandmother's not. horrible personality disorders yeah <laughs> and um the fact that psychopathology and <laughs> yeah um it just it, things snowballed and that's kind of where we ended up uh and like carrie mm-hmm. said earlier i had to grow up pretty quick because you know i was caretaking for my grandmother and um also having to parent myself a lot um yeah Especially because, you know, not only, like, was my mom working all the time or having to sleep to be able to live, um, Mm -hmm. I was also abandoned by my father. So I get that fun little mix there. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's quite a cocktail. Yeah. And it makes you do crazy things when you get older. And, Um, I mean, you had a a single mom. She had you young and... You guys kind of had to be partners. Yeah. In a way. Um, you had to take a lot of responsibility for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because she she couldn't be there. And she was depressed. And she has a horrible mother as well. So yeah. she, you know, it, she had a lot on her plate. And I don't think, I still don't think she fully is able to be completely emotionally there for you, available for you. No. Because of all of that. It's not, it's just not quite right. And you've got some lack of boundaries because she just like walks into your room and shit. And like, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's just a lot. Yeah. And I mean. Like my lack of boundaries was always like, I don't know. My mom was like, obs- my parents are very conservative. They have grown up a lot. <laughs> I have been a true test of their souls. <laughs> and... um. I just, they, like, whenever I got my own apartment, for example, it was a real test for them when I was in college because I was in therapy at this point. So I remember telling my doctor, telling my therapist, that my dad was wanting to give me the bunk beds to put, like, my brother's old bunk beds or, like, a single bed to take to put in my apartment. Oh, God. And I was like, 
why would I want that? <laughs> I've been sleeping in a single bed in my dorm. I want my I want my bed. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd been sleeping in a full size bed, you know, mm-hmm. since since middle school. So, mm-hmm. um, no. Um, and I told my therapist about that, and they were like, "It's because he doesn't want you to share it with anyone." <laughs> and I was like, "What?" He was like, "Yeah, that's really weird." <laughs> He's, whether subconsciously or not, he's trying to keep you a kid. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. And he looked at me, and I was like, you know, he he asked me about who my doctor was, too. And then I told him who, and he said, yeah, you need to go see an actual adult doctor. <laughs> you're 22. Yeah. <laughs> you're, or you're 20. Like, you, you absolutely do not need to be seeing a pediatrician. Yeah, I didn't go to the gyne. She never took me to the gynecologist. Like nothing. Like nothing was ever moved up into here. Now you're an adult. It was like let's keep you a child as long as possible. That's awful. And yeah, a lot of things about and you and I, I make would go a lot home. of sense now. <laughs> yeah, whenever I would go home for the summers or for breaks and things, she would revert right back to how she would talk to me when I was in high school, and I would be like, "Mom, I don't live here." Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, um, I don't mind to help you with chores, but ask me. You can't demand this of me anymore. You can't, you know, like, yeah, th- this isn't our relationship anymore. I don't live here. And it got really hard because I moved back. Um, I moved back when I was teaching. Mm-hmm. And so we had to find a whole new dynamic there, too, of like, hey, I don't, I'm not going to be up here hanging out with you all the time. I have to go to, like, I have to do work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I need to be in my, sometimes I need to just come home and be in my room. Yeah. And I don't know. It was just. Of course, you know, we still had dinner together every night and all that. That whole dynamic, I, I value a lot. I love family dinner every night. Yeah. But I don't know. It's It was always about finding this balance of, hey, do you think you can help me clean the house mm-hmm. this weekend? Or, hey, do you think you could help me do this? Like, it was instead of her just, like, saying, hey, I need you to, <laughs> hey, clean the kitchen. Hey, clean all the bathrooms. Hey. You know, it was just a whole, there's a whole shift that has to happen there. And thankfully, we both saw the same therapist and we were able to go in together and he could talk to us together about it. Yeah. And so he was able to say, listen, your daughter's not a child <laughs> anymore and you need to address her as such. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so more famously, but in the same vein, Mary Carr's memoir, The Liars Club, depicts both Mary and her older sister stepping in to mother themselves or their mother. I'm going to be um, reading and that And this is often... Soon. It, it is on my list. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. All right. Let me know how it is. Yeah. Um, daughters of alcoholic mothers or those who suffer from untreated depression, hey, look at that, <laughs> may also find themselves in the caretaker role, regardless of their age. That may include mothering not just their mothers, but their siblings as well. See, luckily you didn't have siblings to, yeah. <laughs> to parent. There are, there are quote-unquote fragile mothers who also interact in this way, claiming health or other issues. This is what my husband's mom did. Mm. Um, she did this to, to his, his younger brother um, a little bit. So, like, as soon as she got injured, 
she had a back issue. We've mm-hmm. talked about this in the our opioid episode. She had a back issue and she couldn't work anymore. So she was on the couch and she made his brother like just do everything for her mm-hmm. all the time. That's, and that's what my grandmother yeah. did to my aunt. Um, but it was because she was exhausted from working, quote unquote. Um, and she would just go home and sit on the couch even though she yeah. had a four-year-old that she needed to be taken care of and expected my aunt to do it. And so my aunt was my mother's mm. mom for a long time because my aunt was 13. I will say this. There is a way to lay on the couch and still take care of your four-year-old. Yep. <laughs> Yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, not igno- I'm not saying that you don't get tired as a parent and that that's, of course. Yeah. You know, but... And some of the good things about it is, and and we're not talking about people who, you know, it's always great when you have more than one because they can entertain each other. Mm -hmm. Entertaining each other and parenting each other is different. Yeah. Very, very different. And my... my, James and I entertained each other. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, my aunt was 13 when my mom was born, so she was pretty much, like, she was well into her teen years by the time like my grandmother she was babysitting started, age yeah yeah by the time my grandmother started expecting her to care for my mom whoo and it just that's quite a gap yeah well they had different dads well then i knew that yeah and my i mean my grandmother basically started her life over after her first marriage crumbled um and, and you know your grandmother doesn't strike me as someone who had children because she wanted to be a parent either no so. she did not she had her first child no. when she was 18 and um it seems like it was one of those things where i don't know there's like a generational difference here mm-hmm. um like in our grandparents generation there was that step of you get married you have kids mm-hmm. it wasn't like let's as opposed to, like, our generation now, I feel like, is more like, okay, so let's wait till we're ready. Like, more and more people, of, like, who are our age are waiting till they're, like, 30 or, like, late 20s. Yeah. And sometimes a little bit older before they have kids. Um, because we're all kind of waiting until we're... We're also, like, not in the pattern of just, like, graduate high school, graduate college, career. I get my job right out of college. You know what I mean? I yeah. get my job right out... My stable job right out of college have kids, that kind of thing. Like, that's not the job market anymore. Our whole culture has changed, and the whole the whole world has, like, the country has changed yeah. since then. Like, we, you don't generally hit a good stride with your career until you're around maybe 30. Yeah. Or maybe even later, you know? Yeah. So nobody's making that kind of salary right out of the gate anymore. People are interning longer and all this stuff, and so they're waiting until they have like, more of their ducks in a row before they have kids. Yeah. As opposed to when our grandparents were younger and it was like, oh, let's pop them right out because that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> and honestly, we um, just... We need to stop that. <laughs> there yeah. are too many. You know, it's just... It is stopping. Yeah. I think it's stopping. I, I think it is, too. It's not, just, like, immediately. Not immediately, but I think... I think it is stopping because we're all seeing that, I mean, all of us are now the product of some of that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? 
Um, I think it started with my parents' generation, like our parents' generation a little bit too. Yeah. Of like, no, 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 I want to be a parent. Like thinking that through a little bit more. And so we've, we've kind of been the, the generation of like, uh, of, of people who wanted to be parents, I think mm-hmm. more. Um, and then, cause I mean, of course your mother definitely, she didn't get an abortion. Like you're like her mom wanted her to, yeah. you know, she wanted you. Um, my I was mom, definitely my parents wanted. Definitely I was not wanted expected. me. <laughs> you, yeah, you were a surprise, but you were wanted. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was definitely, my parents tried for three or four years to have me. They tried for years to have my brother. I mean, we were both very much wanted. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that there aren't, there that there weren't people that still did just pop them out because. That's not what I'm saying at all. Of course that still happened. But I feel like that was the next kind of little, little wave of evolution of like, no, like I want to be a parent. Yeah. Not just let's have a baby for the status of it three before 30 or whatever you know Mm -hmm. um and now i think my generation and your generation and then your generation are definitely more calculating oh because much more of my friends have waited until they were 30 yeah i i have many many more friends (laughs) with that have children now i i can think of three off the top of my head and we're not even that close really um right but yeah a lot of my friends don't have kids and you know it's because we're having less sex yeah <laughs> we are <laughs> tbh we're all we all know and that it's a, a higher chance of getting murdered <laughs> like if you mm-hmm. go and just have one night stand well we don't have the we're we're not the boomers we're not the boomer generation we are we are we've seen that generation and we're like mm, no i'm not i'm good <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't want herpes so <laughs> um okay i'm fine with my guinea pigs Sorry, as my children pigs. they take enough time <laughs> Right. Oh, man, I was fine with my dog for a very, very long time. <laughs> and there have been a couple of times when Josh has looked at me and said, you sure you just don't want to get another dog? And I'm like, mm, that's tempting. <laughs> you don't have to put it through college. <laughs> you don't have I mean, to- that's true. But we don't have a fence, so. No, and he's kidding, <laughs> of course. So. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Okay. Okay, so we talked about fragile mothers claiming health issues. Okay, so ironically, um, these mothers may love their daughters but lack the capacity co- lacked the capacity to act on their feelings. Um, so while these behaviors are hurtful, with therapy or inter- or intervention, many daughters report reconciliation in adulthood as well as understanding, which is good. Mm-hmm. It's a little less aggressive. <laughs> than others um and there were times that i sometimes felt this a little bit too as in like sometimes i felt like my mom just had me so that she could have somebody that to clean the house besides her (laughs) um of course that's not true (laughs) that was just my teenage brain being like oh my god like will the chores never end um uh, now that i'm an adult i kind of get it it would be nice to have it (laughs) (laughs) to have more helping hands because the house just never seems to stay clean 
Oh, goodness. All right, so there's, like, there's a few little patterns. Yeah, those were really um, good. Of extreme, extreme patterns. Um, of course, each one is its own spectrum. You can have a combination of a few with a touch of one. You know, it's definitely um, ever-evolving and ever-changing, but... <clears throat> oh, God. Uh, how are we on time? We're at Ooh. about an hour. Okay. Okay. Well, I had some active listening techniques, but I think I'll save those. Okay. Because we've kind of been through... That was kind of long, so... Oh, it's okay. <clears throat> and, I mean, we talk I could about... post it. We could yeah. post the link. Yeah, I'll post for the sure. link in so the there description. Are some... Okay, so th- I did find another article from the Center for Parenting Education. Um, it was called The Skill of Listening, and they had some really great examples and um like even like scripted examples Mm -hmm. um just so that you can really understand what they're talking about and you can see the model which is really really cool and um it really just goes into making sure that your your kids feel heard Mm -hmm. um so it's not about indulging your kids every whim that's not what it means it just means making sure that they feel heard by you Mm -hmm. that their concerns are heard and then um making sure that like there's parent like there's an example that comes to mind of um oh, I had a coworker when I was doing Mary Kay that was talking about this um about how her daughter would sit there and repeat herself over and over again and she'd be like I heard you like and but she she wasn't listening she was like cooking dinner and stuff yeah and her daughter didn't feel like she was listening to her her four-year-old oh. <laughs> didn't feel like she was listening to her, and she would just say the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it was because her mom didn't stop and say, yes, sweetheart, I heard you. We don't need to do that right now, though. Mm-hmm. I, I understand that it's important that, w- that you want to do this, but mommy needs to get dinner done, and maybe after dinner we can do this. Is that okay? You know? Yeah. So it's not about indulging your kids every whim but they do need to feel heard and so there's some great models of of this which is applicable to all relationships honestly mm-hmm. josh and i had to learn how to do this too how to actively listen instead of being on your phone when your wife or husband is trying to talk to you or you know yeah it's the basic thing is that you sit and you do nothing but listen to the person you're not sitting and listening and trying to refute it mm-hmm. or anything like that you're just listening which doing that with intention is highly effective. Yeah. Because it takes the combat of nature out of the conversation. So you're just listening and then when they're done, repeat it back to them. Mhm. Is and ask if that's right. And then if they say no, then they they explain more and then you repeat it, uh, you know, you repeat that back and forth until you fully understand what they're saying. And then you validate it and say, I understand and I hear you. you know? <laughs> yeah. I understand that. Let's, and then it's, it fe- once everybody feels heard, then you can come and discuss mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It does. So I know that sounds really elaborate, but um, there are some really great like little short things with really good examples on here for how to, how to employ that with kids that I think is really helpful. So, um, um and yeah. On this subject, before we take our break real quick, um, I I was doing a little bit of my own research as well, just because when I was researching, a lot of articles about diffusion were coming up. But um, Mm -hmm. I found one on 
specifically the dismissive mother. Um, mm-hmm. And it was written by Peg Streep, and she wrote a book called um, Daughter Detox, Recovering from an Unloving Mother and Reclaiming Your Life. And I think that would be a very good book for anyone who Ooh. has had an extremely dismissive mother or has been abandoned or, you know, anything of that nature. Um, it's a good way so, to... yeah. Mine was definitely not not the extru- the the not the super extremes of any of these, except for maybe the combative one, mm-hmm. um, and a few dribbles of others. But it was definitely to the point to where any time I watch any kind of movie where a mom and daughter like reconcile at the end, mm-hmm. I burst into tears <laughs> <laughs> because I'm just like they understand each other. Oh my god, it's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Like, Brave makes me cry every time. Yeah. Freaky Friday mm-hmm. gets me every time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm telling you. <laughs> so, the the trauma is there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thankfully, through therapy and um, through figuring out life with my wonderful husband, I've been able to make some progress. <laughs> well, good. Yeah, it's taken yeah. a lot of therapy for me as well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of being okay with parenting myself and listening to what I need to and giving myself that mm-hmm. because sometimes it's what you have to do. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Sometimes you have to just forgive and accept mm-hmm. once you're older. Yeah. In a way, because she's not going to change. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's definitely hard. Whew. All right. Well, that was hilarious. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Shall we take a break? Yes. Okay. And we're back. We are. Um, Okay. So, (coughs) I kind of didn't know what I wanted to talk about with this. Just because a lot of what we wanted to focus on was the communication part. Um. Mm-hmm. But I I found a case that we haven't talked about on the show yet. And, well, we have, but figured we could dig a little deeper today, have some fun with it. But before that, I wanted to talk about one of my favorite movies that I've seen in a long time. And that is Lady Bird. It was directed by Greta Gerwig. It's got, um, Sor- Saoirse Ronan. Yeah. It's got her. Saoirse. It's got her and... Saoirse like inertia. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, it's got her and Laurie... I heard her say that on a talk show. <laughs> it's got uh, her and Laurie Metcalf and Timothy Chamelet and uh, Lucas Hedges. Uh, it's a great, great movie. It's about um, a girl who hates her name, so she wants everybody to call her Ladybird. And um, she has a really volatile relationship with her with her mother, um, and it's all about trying to reconcile the two of them. And it just, um, I don't know. Sounds like something that will make me cry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I still haven't watched it. Yeah, it's. I highly recommend it. 
I still don't quite know how I feel about the ending of it. Um, but... Well, we're not going to spoil it, no, though. No, no, we're not going to spoil it, but it... What I kind of like about it is that it wasn't satisfying. And a lot of these relationships don't end on a satisfying note when they're so strange. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't need a happy ending, so yeah. that's good. Yeah, so... Kind of uh, makes me want to watch it even more. Yeah, I, I think it's on <laughs> Netflix. Um, if not, I will... It probably is. Yeah, if it's not... Now that my internet's back on. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not, I'll definitely let you borrow it, because uh, I think you'd love it, and I bought it. Um, I'm sure it's somewhere. I think it's it's. I think it's on Netflix. It might even be on Prime. I feel like I've seen it advertised in a couple of places. Yeah, it might be. But, um, it was... I think it got Oscar buzz, didn't it? Oh, I'm looking at it right now, actually. Uh, it won two Golden Globes. And it was... Nice. Nominated for, uh, five Academy Awards. And, um... Yeah. In 2017, it was Time Magazine's uh, one of the 10 best films of the year. So. Yeah, and it's Gre- Greta Gerwig, who's an absolute fucking genius. Yeah, and it was her first. It was her. Um, that was her first one. Yeah. yeah. She her also did Little Women. One. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which was amazing. Yeah, and it had some of the same people in it. So. Um, yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. And it's got a really nice, um, it, it does a really great job of showing a strained relationship because it's got, like, they have their highs and they have their lows. And then you've also got her relationship with her father, which is a really great one. And, like, he's super supportive of her. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a really good movie. So I highly recommend watching that, especially, like, if you've had trouble uh, with your mother. You want something or, relatable. Yeah. yeah. It's it's one of those that you just... You can't help but... Feel connected to. <laughs> Especially if you've had yeah. some of these Fair issues. Enough. So, yeah. If you're a woman with a mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a person... <laughs> <laughs> Who is alive. <clears throat> oh, that's funny. Yeah, I love Saoirse Ronan. Yeah. I didn't realize Timothy, Timothy What's-His-Face was in it, too. Yeah, he is. He's an asshole in it, but he's oh, good no. in it. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, he is good, so. He was kind of an asshole in Little Women, too, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of to A be little expected. bit. He had his moments. Yeah. Lori's a little all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> As a character. Yeah. Christian Bale played him in the original, if that gives you an idea <laughs> of that character. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Did you know there was, like, a 1920, 1920s and a 1940s version of that movie? I did not, but it doesn't surprise me. It's an amazing yeah. movie. It's an amazing story. Yeah. Um, oh, so good. Yeah. All right. All right, so... <clears throat> So I wanted to talk do, about girls who had yeah. to parent themselves. My goodness. <laughs> yeah. Their mom is amazing, but still mm-hmm. she was so busy with all her charities and stuff and their dad was gone to war and they had to fully had to entertain themselves. Yeah. Goodness gracious. So good. <laughs> so good. Oh, 
So if you need recommendations of things to read and watch, listen to this episode. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I'm about to give you another recommendation, even though we've already given it high praise on this podcast before. But um, I decided to talk about the ultimate toxic relationship between a mother and a daughter. Which had to have been okay. exemplified by Gypsy Rose Blanchard and her mother. No! <laughs> oh, God. Yes. This is a whole other thing, though. Well, it's... This is Munchausen's. Yes. But there's also a lot of communication issues that happened and... Enmesh, en- enmeshment or enmeshment, whatever? Enmeshment, yeah. What, what was the, the one where you just absorb them into yourself? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So. Oh, God. This story. Yeah. Ugh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, biography.com is walking us through this story because it is crazy. And, of course, a lot of us already know. So, I'm kind of going a little bare bones um, just because there's so much that we already know. We've talked about this thoroughly. Yeah. Yeah. But I just... We have a whole bonus episode on the Hulu series. The Act. What was it called again? The Act. The Act, mm-hmm. yes. And I think there's going to be another one, but it may have been canceled. I don't know. We'll see. There's supposed to be another one, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. I thought, at least. I don't know. I thought there was one they were supposed to do with, like, HBO or something, and it was actually, like, Gypsy was actually going to talk. It was going to be more, like, documentary style, but... Mm-hmm. I could have completely made that up just because I want that to happen really bad. <laughs> well, so she'll be up for parole. She'll be out soon. Yeah, won't she? she'll be up for parole in 2024, possibly sooner. Oh God, that's still. S- oh wait, I forgot that it's 2020. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I literally have three brain cells, you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like 2024. That's so far away. <laughs> That's in four years. Oh, my God. I literally just flashed back to 2010. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God, that's 20 years away. (laughs) No. Oh, my God. No, it's not. (laughs) We need to finish so I can go to sleep. (laughs) Yes. I'm sorry. It won't take very long. Um, Oh, no. (laughs) That was upsetting. That was really upsetting. <laughs> oh, it's only going to get worse, you guys. <laughs> it's only going to get worse. Oh. I don't know how that week of recording is going to go. I'm a little nervous. No. Yeah, it's um it's going to be an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> Strap in. Ugh. All right. All right. So, Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Um she grew up with her mother, Dee Dee, making claims about her health that resulted in a series of dire diagnoses and medical interventions. However, as we all know, Gypsy wasn't actually unwell. Her mother had been lying about her symptoms. Experts believe Dee Dee's behavior stemmed from the mental disorder Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Because Dee Dee wanted to be a caretaker, she feigned an induced illness in her daughter. Which also hits um, the one... That you talked about where the mother wanted status yes. for their daughter. Yes. Uh, this is very much hits that. And it's 
I would. Oh all- yeah, especially because she like used her for like to get all kinds of free trips and shit. Mm-hmm. I would go as far as to call it narcissistic. Um, yeah, behavior. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, the truth about Gypsy and her mother only came out after Gypsy arranged for an online boyfriend. Oh. Just in ca- just so everyone knows, I just now got a text that said that my uh, internet's been restored, <laughs> <laughs> and it was restored Y'all, two it was hours to ago. Be ready. It was supposed to be restored at one fifteen, and two hours ago it came back on, and I just got a text. <laughs> of course. Oh God, <laughs> this is just so everyone knows how my day went today. <laughs> So, the truth about Gypsy and her mother only came out after Gypsy arranged for an online boyfriend to murder Dee Dee in 2015. And I also want to say this real quick. The act in one episode made it seem that Gypsy knew that, um, Gypsy knew, or Gypsy was told by her mother that she would get in trouble um, if she told anyone what they were doing, that Gypsy would be, um, that Gypsy would go to prison because, um, they were conning because all these they people. they were defrauding all yeah. of these people. Yeah. They were defrauding they the United States. She was States. aware of it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They, they, it, they, they did. They made it seem like she was fully aware of, of all the cons that they were doing. Mm-hmm. And she absolutely was not. She was not. Um, and I think had she been had there been that communication there had they had a mutual understanding it probably wouldn't have ended like this um no but it did i also don't i don't think gypsy would have had it in her to to be complicit in something like that no i don't think so either either and i think if she thought she had another choice she wouldn't have done it but she was absolutely. I mean, it was kill or be killed. Like, like I've only seen interviews with her. Granted, I've never like spoken to her in person. That would be amazing. But you know, uh, just from what I've seen of her, she seems like the sweetest, kindest person. Yeah. Who was in a bad situation, and then this was the only, and this was the only way out that she could see yeah. for herself. And I'm sorry, but if you're sitting in prison because you killed the person that was torturing you or abusing you or any of the other things that were happening, you should not be in prison. And I want Absolutely to bail you not. out. Like, yep. If, but I don't have money. Yeah, if I had the money, I would bail you so. out. Like, <laughs> they deserved it. Just going to oh, put absolutely. that out there. It was a murder, but not a crime. <laughs> yeah. I've had Chicago stuck in my head all day. <laughs> um, I was cleaning out my cousin, my husband's car, and I had all that. I was just singing verses from all that jazz in my head. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, all right. So, Gypsy Rose, who was born in 1991, uh, which makes her, like, tw- I think she's 29 now? Yeah, 29. 1991? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's two years younger than me. Yeah. 1991, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, two years younger than me. So she'd be 29. Yeah. Uh, She was a baby when Dee Dee claimed her daughter had sleep apnea. When Gypsy was eight years old, Dee Dee described... How do you have a baby with sleep apnea? You don't. Is your baby snoring? (laughs) 
What? Okay, is this a real thing? I'm going to look this up. Is that a real thing? <laughs> Most likely not. Can a baby <laughs> have sleep? At- oh, look, it's right there. It's one of the suggestions. Mm-hmm. Infant sleep. At- oh, okay. That yes, that is a thing. Uh, but it has to be detected early to prevent other long-term complications. Mm-hmm. Uh oh. Bet she knew that. Yep. Because she was- it involves reductions and pauses in breathing that occur during an infant's sleep. And she was medically trained, I think, too. Oh yeah, she was a nurse. Yeah. Um, when Gypsy was... But I think she was fired because she wasn't working. I mean... Yeah. When, whenever she was with... when, I don't know. She she never had a job because she was getting all this money in from all the people she was conning. But yeah. I think she lost her job for some sort of theft purpose or mm-hmm. um, something like that. Probably. I don't know, though. That's just what I feel like I've read at some point, and we know how my brain is feeling right now, so. <laughs> um, when Gypsy was eight, Dee Dee described her as suffering from leukemia and muscular dystrophy and said she required a wheelchair and feeding tube. The list of medical problems that Dee Dee related about her daughter would go on to include seizures, asthma, and hearing and visual impairments. Due to Dee Dee's actions, Gypsy was prescribed a litany of medications and had to sleep using a breathing machine. She also went through multiple surgeries, including procedures on her eyes and removal of her salivary glands. Oh, my God. My God. That's the part. And then her teeth rotted out, yeah. too, because she was on seizure medication that she didn't need to be on. Yep. And, oh, and, and that was literally the next line. Uh, when Gypsy's teeth rotted, perhaps due to her medications, missing salivary glands or neglect, they were pulled out. Because she was... Yeah, and, like, so her mom had, like, this whole closet. Like, that in the act is 100% accurate. Yeah. She had this whole closet full of all these medicines that she would give her to induce the symptoms Mm -hmm. that she wanted. Yep. And then she would put her on more medicine to counteract those symptoms. (laughs) Like, it's just, oh, my God. She was so drugged, and she was so weak. Yeah. That was the biggest issue with the act, was that they made her... Made it seem like she could es- she could have just escaped and walked outside, and she couldn't have. She was always so drugged. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, <clears throat> just being on the antibiotics I was on for this last week, I remember nothing. Like I barely remember anything, yeah. and I was on one. I could not imagine what she was going through. Oh, she was on so much. Um, yet the truth was that Gypsy could walk, didn't need a feeding tube, and did not have cancer. Her head was bald only because her mother shaved off her hair. Um, and it says again, she had Munchausen by proxy, which made her fabricate her daughter's Mm -hmm. ill health in order to receive attention and sympathy for taking care of a sick child. Again, that status that we talked about earlier. Right, yes. Um, and she appeared to be a charming, devoted mother, so people believed her. Because who doesn't believe yes, the mother? Yes, quite the actress. <laughs> yes. <laughs> kind of like your grandma. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god, I will never forget 
one time, um, we had taken my grandmother home from whatever nursing home facility she'd been in. And she was trying to, I, I don't know, I had been gone for maybe an hour doing some errands for her while her helpers were getting her settled in at the house. And I get back and mm-hmm. there's a fire truck there. There's an ambulance there. She's in what used to be mine and my mom's bedroom. And um, she's trying to get on the bed. And she's like, if I can get on the bed, I can stay here. And I'm like, okay, but you've already called these people. <laughs> like, you can't, <laughs> we can't, we need to go back if you're gonna, if this is how this is gonna go. Like, we can't just keep doing this. And she was about to. Go back and forth. Yeah. And she was about to start screaming at me. <laughs> and my friend happened to be there with me and rounded the corner. Mm-hmm. The second she saw that my grandmother was about to start screaming at me for that. And I didn't get screamed at. Because <laughs> now mm-hmm. we now we had an audience and we had to be nice. Uh, mm-hmm. So. Well, didn't sh- she had messed it up to where she wanted to come home and then decided that she didn't want to be home. Yeah. After complaining for like months that she wanted to be home and then realized that this was not a good idea. Yeah. God. Oh, yeah. That and then you're like, I will. I, you just look at you and you're like, I will kill you myself. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was ready to. I will legit kill you myself. And, and then she went back, and then my aunt brought her home and left left us to deal with her, and got mad when we couldn't. It was a whole thing, right? <laughs> but she it was really fun. Yeah. She no longer has my phone number, so cheers to that. Yeah. Mm. Nope. But anyway, these people are very good. Pour one out. (laughs) These people are very good actresses. Um, Yes. Short story to say the least. Um, Okay. So medical tests often showed inconclusive or contradictory results regarding Gypsy's diagnoses, but Dee Dee would stop seeing any doctor to question her daughter's ailments. And many caregivers went along with what Dee Dee wanted. She'd had some nurses training so she could accurately describe symptoms, and she sometimes gave Gypsy medication to mimic certain conditions. Dee Dee was also charming and seemed devoted to her daughter. When Gypsy was old enough to talk, Dee Dee instructed her not to volunteer information during their appointments. She was always the one relating Gypsy's fake medical history. And, like... Oh, yeah, she was always, like, talking over her and stuff. Yeah. And what do you... What do you do... As a child, when your mother tells you not to say something, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Especially in that situation. Um, Especially when you know that there were horrible punishments coming. Yeah. If you if you disobeyed. Like, I mean, <laughs> ugh. And, and it talks in here a little bit about how, like, Gypsy would sometimes be tied up and not given food or water. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, Dee Dee told absolutely. Yeah, Dee Dee told Gypsy's father Rod that their daughter had a chromosomal disorder that left that led to her many health issues. He complimented Dee Dee for her devoted care. When some of Dee Dee's family noticed that Gypsy didn't seem to need a wheelchair and ask questions, Dee Dee and Gypsy moved away. And then this is how they got famous. Dee Dee claimed to be a victim of Hurricane Katrina, so she and Gypsy received assistance to relocate from Louisiana to Missouri in 2005. 
And records were lost. Mm-hmm. So she was able to fake a lot of stuff. Yeah. Because of that. Yep. Um, the thing I hated the most, I think, was like that big ass binder of shit that she had where she would just like, she would just talk at the doctors. Yeah. And be like, this is what she has. She also has this. Maybe she's got this, this, and this. And like, what? <laughs> yes. So then the doctors just kind of were overwhelmed. Yeah. And we're like, well, you seem to be, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you seem to know. Prepared like. And, yeah. Um. Ugh. Goodness. Uh, in 2008, Gypsy and Dee Dee moved into a new home in Springfield, Missouri. Built by Habitat for Humanity, it was painted pink and had a wheelchair ramp. Gypsy and Dee Dee also received benefits that included charity-sponsored visits to concerts in Disney World. All along, Dee Dee continued to bask in the attention she received for being a devoted caretaker. When Gypsy was 14, mm-hmm. she saw a neurologist in Missouri who came to believe she was a victim of Munchausen syndrome by proxy. However, this doctor never reported her case to authorities. How bad do you think that doctor feels now? Um, well, and that's why, like, when you're a teacher, you have to, even if you remotely suspect, if you even remotely suspect abuse, you have to report it. Mm-hmm. This is why, like, doctors should be held, I think doctors are held to the same standard, but, like, I mean, obviously, this this one didn't do it, mm-hmm. you know? So, it's, I don't know. If you remotely suspect abuse, you have to report it, you guys. Yeah, especially in Kentucky. It's, um, uh, I, I have a social worker friend, <sighs> and, like, yeah. it doesn't matter who you are, doctor pedestrian yeah i mean whatever the fuck have you if you think someone's being abused you have to call and report it Mm -hmm. um in later interviews he stated his belief was that there wasn't enough evidence to act that doesn't matter you still call i've had to call yes i mean it's not fun but you do it no Oh, I've had to call before, too. It's terrifying. Yeah. And gladly, I got Ugh. I got a guy on the phone who, like, was able to be upbeat and still, like, keep the tone kind of light. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> even though it was a horrible thing to have to tell him. But, I mean, it was... He made me feel a little mm. bit more comfortable about calling. Um, yeah. Thankfully, the guidance counselor was in there with me and she was holding my hand because I was like terrified. <laughs> I was sitting there just shaking <laughs> with fear. Um, in 2009, an anonymous report was made to authorities stating that Dee Dee's accounts of Gypsy's ailments had no medical basis. This resulted in two caseworkers visiting their home, but Dee Dee convinced them that there was nothing wrong. As Gypsy grew older, Dee Dee began to lie about her age, going so far as to alter the dates on Gypsy's birth certificate to make her daughter seem younger. But Oh my gosh. Which, I don't know how you would do that. Unless you went With through... whiteout? Well, I mean... But there would still what be the mean? original record at the hospital, wouldn't there? Oh, I don't know. I know that a birth certificate is a physical piece of paper that you have, and it's probably electronic now, but mm-hmm. who knows? Uh, I mean, Katrina was a long time ago, yeah. you know? <laughs> God, it was 15 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but Gypsy was still becoming harder for Dee Dee to control. 
in 2011. 2011. And she's becoming an adult. Yeah. For fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. Gypsy tried to get away from her mother by running away with a man she'd met at a science fiction convention, but Dee Dee soon tracked them down via mutual friends. She convinced the man that Gypsy was a minor, though he was though she was actually 19 at the time. According to Gypsy, Dee Dee smashed her computer and physically restrained her to her bed after they returned home. Gypsy has also stated that her mother would sometimes hit her and deny her food. Um... Gypsy eventually managed to so get it's combative. Yep. <laughs> Gypsy eventually managed to get back online. She joined a Christian dating site, which is the worst possible idea. <laughs> where you don't ever use those. <laughs> oh my god, unless you want to be murdered. Yeah. Or meet murderers. Yeah. Where she met literal murderers <laughs> and predators. Yeah. Where she met Nicholas Godijon. She told him the truth about her mother's actions and ended up asking him to kill Dee Dee so they could be together. In June 2015, uh, five years ago, five years and a month ago, <laughs> like to the day, um, he came to her house and stabbed Dee Dee while Gypsy waited, ears covered, in the bathroom. Gypsy and Godajan returned to his home in Wisconsin where they were found by police. Gypsy had... Tw- yeah, they absolutely just... it. It, okay, so this is the other part in the act that was wrong, mm-hmm. um, was that Gypsy was, like, panicking the whole time and thinking they were going to get caught. They literally, it literally never crossed their mi- crossed her mind that they would be caught mm-hmm. because she had no exposure to anything like this. She saw, her mom would not let her watch anything but, like, Twilight and Disney movies. And I think she fast-forwarded through the sexy parts of Twilight. Like, I mean, yeah. she knew nothing. Nothing, no true crime in that house, nothing remotely forensic related they d- they had no idea yeah they j- it not even an in- in inkling that they would be caught no and nick was touched in the head yeah a little he's not he was on the spectrum somewhere mm-hmm. he's not all there for sure definitely not um <clears throat> so gypsy and go to john they did have sex in the movie theater bathroom though they did <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> Gypsy and Godijan returned to his home in Wisconsin, where they were found by police. Gypsy had twice posted to the Facebook account she shared with her mother, once writing, That bitch is dead. She later explained she made the post because she wanted her mother's body to be discovered. Mm-hmm. After Dee Dee's murder, many people who'd known Gypsy wondered why she had gone so far as to kill her. Since she could walk, she simply could have exposed Dee Dee's lies by standing up in public. Yet, Gypsy had been conditioned to think no one would believe her. She explained, I couldn't just jump out of the wheelchair because I was afraid and I didn't know what my mother would do. I didn't have anyone to trust. The fact that Gypsy had spent her entire life being controlled and monitored by her mother. Um, She wasn't allowed to go to school. Though Gypsy was of normal intelligence, Dee Dee told everyone her daughter had a mental age of seven. When they were out in public, Dee Dee constantly held Gypsy's hand, squeezing it when she wanted her daughter to be quiet. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Dr. Mark Feldman, an expert in Munchausen syndrome by proxy, said of Gypsy's life and actions, the control was in, was total in the same sense that the control of a kidnapped victim sometimes is total. Her daughter was, in essence, a hostage, and I think we can understand the crime that occurred subsequently in terms of a hostage trying to gain escape, which is why I don't understand why she is still in prison. <laughs> because it was kill or be yeah. killed. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. She was dying. Yeah. 
She was absolutely dying. The amount of drugs in her system and all the things she was being put through... Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. What else are you going to do? And she's been told all of these things about escaping and all of this stuff. Like, she saw no other way out. There was no other yeah. way. It was awful. And, like, she's sorry about it, too. And, like, I've only got a few more paragraphs she's here. She's very sorry about it. I mean, so, because you're you're so... She was so entrenched and so brainwashed and such... That she wasn't... She wasn't... And so drugged that she was not able to think... Clearly. I mean, when you're sitting there, I mean, like, imagine that you're imprisoned by someone. You're not sitting there thinking, oh, I should get out and go to the police. You're thinking, I need to get the fuck out of here, and if this bitch comes at me again, I'm killing her. Yeah. Honestly. Because if you go to the police, and she's seen her mom explain away all of this shit for so long that she's sitting there like, if I go to the police, she's just going to explain it away. Yeah. She's going to con them. And then I'm going to be fucking stuck in a closet, handcuffed with no food. Yeah. Or punched in the face or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's... And Dee Dee absolutely would have done that. Yeah. Because she was insane. Oh, Dee Dee would have killed her. Well, she wasn't insane. She was absolutely very much sane and she knew exactly what she was doing well she knew what she was doing but she was still insane she was so manipulative Mm -hmm. oh um but as gypsy's medical records documented the abuse she'd been subjected to her lawyer was able to arrange a plea deal for the charges she faced in Dee's death in 2016 gypsy pled guilty to second degree murder she was sentenced to 10 years in prison, though she'll be eligible for parole beginning in 2024. Go has since mm-hmm. been found guilty of first-degree murder, in tw- oh, and that happened in 2018, and he was sentenced to life in prison. Um, Gypsy has stated it was only after Dee Dee's death that she realized the extent of her mother's deception. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> while Gypsy had known she could walk and eat regular food, she had believed she had leukemia. Today, Gypsy Mm. is healthy. She's also said she enjoys more freedom in prison than in the life she shared with Dee Dee. However, when asked by Dr. Phil if she was glad her mother was dead, she stated, I'm glad that I'm out of that situation, but I'm not happy she's dead. And that was written by Sarah Kettler. I thought it was a great summation of everything that happened. Oh, yeah. It's a... (sighs) It's a good interview, but I don't like Dr. Phil, so... Yeah. (laughs) Fuck Dr. Phil. Um, yeah. But. What did he say? I'm trying to remember what he said at the end where I was just like, okay, well, fuck you then. Like, why are you even talking to her? Yeah. <laughs> um, He's like, I totally condemn what you did and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, okay. Spoken like a true white dude who's never had it, had to deal with anything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> How about a little empathy, sir? Well, now, why would we do that? Gosh. Um, I don't believe she deserves to be in prison at all. I hope she gets out and gets to be an advocate for abuse victims, because that's what she wants. Yeah. And I just want her to be able to live her fucking life. Me too. 
Poor sweet angel. Oh my goodness. And I know that she's like getting a lot of education classes in um, prison, which is great. So like she'll be able to. Yes. She might have a chance, you know, when she when she gets out. Hopefully. Which is more than most people can say. Yeah. But um, yeah. So that was right. my case. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. I know we've talked about it before, but I thought it went well here. But it does. It works well. You did a great job. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, we can't go into all of the details again. No. People are going to be so sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kind of no, bare bones. You're, tr- you're correct, though. 100%. That was great. All right. Are we ready for a game? I am. All right. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm in love with my card already. Okay. So this is our game called If You Had To by Drunk Stoned or Stupid. Um, uh, is it my turn or your turn? Your turn. It's my turn? Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, basically, it's would you rather. So <laughs> if you had to, would you? Uh, <laughs> Dwight Schrute from The Office is your partner in life. <laughs> Or I choose that one. <laughs> Why would I choose anything right? different? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> or grow a mullet named Cornwallis, who is your best bud. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> no, I will never grow a mullet. No. I'll hang out with Dwight. Yeah. It doesn't say you have to sleep with him. It just says he's your partner in life. Yeah. He's fun to mess with. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I would sleep with Rain Wilson. <laughs> like, uh, no. Yeah, but it doesn't say Rain Wilson. Yeah. It says Dwight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Anything bringing you joy? Um, I saw Hamilton. Nice. Nice. I still need to fucking watch that. Oh my god, it was amazing. It was so good. So it was really weird at the beginning because like it's live theater uh-huh. and I hadn't seen it before. Mm-hmm. So like when you've seen it before and you watch a recording, you can kind of conjure up that energy for yourself, mm-hmm. you know, but I'd never seen it before. So it was a little bit weird. I felt a little disconnected at the beginning because it was just a little jarring. <laughs> <laughs> um and their energy level is so high. It was amazing. They did a great job. Mm-hmm. I know that I'll be better. I'll have a better experience when I watch it again. Mm-hmm. I don't say if. I said when. Because I'm going to watch it again. <laughs> um, it's absolutely incredible. Um, I'm definitely going to go see it live. I bawled like an absolute freaking baby. I mean, you laugh. You cry. It's got beautiful, beautiful lyrics. Yes. It, it was great. Operas are hard, but it was good. Mm-hmm. It yeah, it was very good. It, the music is just incredible. I've heard yeah, all the music. But it is there is no talking. Yeah, there is no talking. It is. <laughs> that's what I realized when I downloaded the soundtrack. I was like, oh, I'm just listening to the show. <laughs> <laughs> there are no gaps in these songs. <laughs> Everything is sung, so there is that. But it is a rap as well. Yeah, there's it's a it's it's rapping and singing, and it's fantastic because lin-manuel miranda is an absolute fucking genius yes it was so good 
I did not feel like I felt at the end of The Greatest Showman. Now, I'm not going to shit on The Greatest Showman because that movie is amazing, but it is completely separate from history (laughs) (laughs) because it is not accurate (laughs) at all. This felt more historically accurate and not just like, let's put this white dude on a pedestal. Like, it was fantastic. Absolutely loved it. (laughs) I love it so much. I'm so happy Mm -hmm. that you enjoyed it. Yes. Anything for you? Um, my tooth is no longer hurting. And yes, (laughs) (laughs) I can see the other side. (laughs) I don't want to kill myself every day. Um, yes, that's awesome. But I've also started reading a Stephen King book. It's a really short one. It's called The Sun Dog. And I'm really liking it so far. So it's a, good. It's about this kid who gets a camera that he really wanted, and it ends up just taking. And the camera is haunted. Well, the camera and it lives in his bathroom drain, <laughs> and it kills people. The camera keeps <laughs> taking the same picture, and oh, of course, it's re- it's really neat. And the dad in it is just not having it. (laughs) The father is my favorite character so far. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, There's always a twist like that with Stephen King books, though. Yeah. The car is killing everyone. The, you know, it's just. Yeah. It's his pattern. I'm glad you're enjoying it. That makes me laugh, though. It keeps taking the same picture. How sinister. That's when you throw it away and get a new camera. (laughs) The dad keeps trying to convince him to take it back to JCPenney's. And the kid's like, no, I need to investigate. (laughs) Why? Go get a different one. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Oh, it's so good. It's your house that you spent all your savings on. It's a fucking camera. (laughs) oh lord all right that sounds awesome yeah good for you yeah i am reading about labor so (laughs) that's fun (laughs) oh oh god because it's quarantine and there are no classes offered so i can't believe they wouldn't do a zoom class independent study it is (laughs) it's okay most of the people i've talked to were like yeah i took the class but honestly i mean it works itself out so yeah so no worries <laughs> it's all totally fine uh, all right well we love you guys please stay safe um and please be understanding of everyone everyone's afraid everyone's trying to find control in their life right now so be compassionate even if you disagree um and especially on facebook and um <laughs> Remember, you are not a monster. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Talk Cricket. Music is by Gisla Niebach. Check out our website, talkcricket.wixsite.com slash podcast for sources and visual aids, as well as resources to get involved. To keep up with our nonsense and stay up to date on all things cricket, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook at Talk Cricket. To keep the shots coming, access exclusive bonus content, get a free poster, and a shout-out on air, head on over to our Patreon. All links can be found on our website. 
You can listen to us basically anywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you have interesting stories relating to our content, please send them to talkcrooked at gmail.com for a chance to be featured on the show. For business inquiries or sponsorships, please email us at carryandkbusiness at gmail.com. See you next time.